When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening and welcome to the Chelsea. Well, here we are. It's another week and now we've got more points. Mr. Andy Saunders. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well, too. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we'll come to Norwich in a minute because I know you had a bit of an away day. We'll come to that in a minute, but we should introduce our next guest. He's back for this season. Mr. Seb Fontaine. How are you? Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you all. Well, yeah, I mean, it's lovely to see you as well. How have you been? How's How was your summer? Uh, I've done, so far, I've done 21 festivals and I've got another four to go. So it's been, you know what, it's been an amazing summer, but I was a little bit broken uh, yesterday and didn't leave the house in one of the hottest days of the year. And I just couldn't, couldn't face it. But uh, it's just been, uh, yeah, it's been an awesome summer. Oh, um, well... You, you probably explained who Seb is and what he does because people won't know if they're not if they're not long time <laughs> listeners. Well, everyone knows Seb Fontaine, one of the greatest, finest DJs known to man, and and to me, and to you, Andy, and everyone knows him because he's a regular on the show. But yes, you are he who is known as Seb Fontaine. And which festivals have you been playing? Which has been the biggest and the best so far? Um, I think my favourite is the a little one near Cambridge called Wildwood Disco, and and as it suggests, it's in the woods, and so you have a really nice um, kind of demographic of people from in their twenties to in their forties just raving in the woods with like lasers and mirrorballs, and and it was just fantastic. And I, I think of all the you know of all the kind of the great and the good, that's still my favourite festival this year. It was last year and it was this year, so. I have a lot of love for the Wildwood Disco guys. Is there still a culture of superstar DJ where you get flown around on private jets and paid millions of pounds, or is that starting to level out a little bit more? I think there is that, 
just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> just Calvin Harris. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, inevitably, some people are doing silly, as all jobs, you know, there's someone earning a lot of money and there's the rest of us. And what do you you play kind of old house classics? Do you is that what you do? No, a lot of new stuff. Um, you know what? There's a lot of things now. You know, particularly with festivals, they want they theme the rooms, and sometimes you know it could be the theme could be from you know 90s or 2000s, and yes, the music will go that way. But I try not to do too many classics. Cool. Do Do you find it interesting that actually we're we're now in this this age where when you started off doing this kind of DJing, there was pretty much a small group of people, a small amount of music. And now in the last, however long since what, 1990 odd, you know, you've got so much music to draw upon. Does it get confusing for you? Do you still have favorite old go-to tracks or, or do you just go, I'm just going to see what happens tonight or how prepared are you for these sort of things? I, you know what? I'm, I'm always prepared but I'm always prepared that it could go another way. So I, I'm never stuck in, you know, in any one avenue that I could do. Um, I mean, I, I, this is a f- football podcast. So I won't bore you about what's wrong with the, with the music scene. Um, but, it, 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 you know, it, 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 the internet has been a wonderful thing, but it's also done some bad things and some very bad DJs are out there and doing some, you know, some bad gigs. So it, but it, it, that's, that's life. In amongst all your um, travels then, uh, presumably international travels as well, have you managed to get down to the bridge? Did you get to the bridge for um, Frank's yeah, first game? Yeah, I was there for Frank's opener. I, what an atmosphere that was, just mm. when he came out. I mean, you could feel that just the whole of Stamford Bridge just bubbling with excitement to see Frank on the touchline. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Andy, uh, you, you know, how how are you feeling? Because... You've now done an away game because you went to Norwich, didn't you? How are you feeling? Because away games, there's always a pretty special atmosphere. How was Norwich? And and what do you think of the, the whole Frank Lampard road show? What was it like being in Carrow Road at the weekend? Well, I was in the away end, so I'm not sure how much I can help you on the uh, atmosphere from the Chelsea fans. I was quite a long way away from them. I got my ticket. From... Oh, hold on, you're in the away end. You mean the, the home end? Yeah, well, the, the sorry, the the um the the yes, I felt like you know, yes, in 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 the home end at Carrow Road, um, but but with uh with the home fans, with the Norwich fans, and I got my um uh ticket from David Lee Rodders, uh of uh of Chelsea fame, um whose friend is the under 18s coach at Norwich, and he said I'll sort you out a ticket, but the ticket's going to be in with the Norwich fans, which was fine, it was absolutely fine, you know, I don't like it when opposition fans come into our ground and shout and scream. So I sat on my hands and behaved myself and was respectful. Um, but it was a really good atmosphere. Norwich fans create a good atmosphere anyway, but the Chelsea fans were, it seemed upbeat and positive. So, you know, so all good. I really enjoyed it. And it was a lovely day. It seems that Norwich fans have got a lot to be positive about. I mean, they're knocking five goals from their striker and they're back in the premiership and everyone was writing them off. And that just doesn't seem to have been the case. They seem to have come out the blocks firing, don't they? Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, they, they, they're looking very sharp and, and, and very good going forward. They look a bit ropey at the back, um, but certainly going forward, they look like they can cause problems. Mm. Uh, the problem with a lot of these promoted teams is they play really good football and really expansive football, um, but they tend to get picked apart by the really quality teams. And I think that's what we did to them on, uh, on Saturday. What I found interesting was that uh, Frank's, the way he's, messing around with the team it's not too much it's little changes I mean okay he had an enforced one with Pedro in the warm-up 
But how did you feel, uh, Seb, when you saw that Tammy was being picked for his game? I actually texted you, I think, Andy, didn't I, on WhatsApp and said, come on, Tammy, your first goal today. But but um, what did you think, Seb, about I- Tammy getting the nod over Giroud? Listen, I, I I think look, Giroud has never been a you know a twenty five goal a season man. We need that man, and hopefully that man will be Tammy. I mean, obviously there's a question mark because he did it in Championship. Can he now do it in the Premiership? And it looked on on Saturday that he could. You know, he's still got a lot to learn. He's a kid, and who could he learn that from? Some hold up play from Giroud. I, I think that the fact that we've got those two is a really good idea. Um, I. I t- I think there's there's a lot of people who this season are surprising me. I think I think I've made it quite clear on this on this show uh, that I've never really been a Kovacic fan. I thought he had probably his best ever game in a blue shirt on on Saturday. I, I thought he was just immense, and I think Jorginho is is proving not to be the scapegoat that he was. You know, everyone. He wouldn't be the first player that needs a season to settle in, and I think I I think there's promising signs from him. I I think everybody. And it, again, we're a little bit ropey at the back, but everyone seems revitalised under Frank, and and long may that continue. Were, were you surprised, Andy? I, I, you know, there was a lot of pressure building around this side. You know, here we are, three games into the Premiership, four games into the season, if you count the super friendly, and people were already saying, "Oh, you know, it's looking difficult down there." He's searching for his first win. Do you think we're in this ridiculous situation where? Everyone doesn't have any time to settle into things. I didn't feel there was much pressure, to be honest. I think the opening day result against Manchester United was was really disappointing. Um, the super friendly, as you quite rightly called it, uh, against Liverpool in the in the Super Cup was a, a really good game and a really good performance. Just a disappointing result. Um, the draw against Leicester, uh, well, again, was disappointing. But I think everybody came out saying they're a very good team. So that wasn't the end of the world. And I think this was, you know, a really good result against another, you know, strong attacking team. So I never at any point felt that people were grumbling about needing to get a result, which was really refreshing. Just one thing, um, just I don't want to go on for too long, but just just one thing on Jorginho. It was great to hear the Chelsea fans chanting Jorginho's name. That was, one of, my, so. that was one of my highlights of my day, that was. Do you think... Well, can do you, I, if you don't mind, oh, yeah. why, why do you think that is? Why do you, I mean, I've got personal reasons. <laughs> I, I always, I've always thought there was a good player in there, and I think maybe he was seen as Sarri's pet, and now that Sarri's gone... I think, you know, they could cut him a bit of slack and the fact that he wanted to stay and and fought for his place. And I, I think that's probably gone a long way. But they do seem to have warmed to him, don't they? I, yeah, think, I, I think what... Well, sorry, Andy. Um, I was going to say that I think what's happening is that these players have been freed up a bit. They're not so restricted by Sarri's way of playing. And you was already seeing them open up. It'll be different again once Kante comes back. Wouldn't you think, Andy? Yeah, it will will be different. I think your point about freeing the players up is very true. Jorginho was seen as somebody that slowed the game down, that that played sideways, that never moved the ball forward. People were bizarrely kind of criticising him for his uh, lack of assists and goals. Uh, There was a narrative around Jorginho that I thought was very unfair last season. And I think uh, the fans are starting to see what he's capable of in terms of tempo, in terms of keeping uh, the play moving, his incisive passing uh, and his ability to affect the game. And didn't really see that last season, but I think he was probably playing under orders from Sarri. Now he's got that freedom. I think we'll probably see the real Jorginho. And also look at, looking at other players that in a short space of time, Frank you know, has been 
criticised perhaps for the defending of the team, but he's stuck to his guns with, with Christiansen and Zuma. Now, maybe there aren't many more options at the moment until Rudiger's fit, but but Zuma, he's a, he's an interesting one, isn't he? What, what do you think of Zuma at the moment, Seb? I thought, um, actually, I thought the Leicester game, he had a much better game. He, he looked strong in Leicester. He was powering out from the back. Um, less so in Norwich. You know what? I think Zoom is not the answer to our problems, but he's he's also not he's also not the you know the the, the worst of them either. I, I I hate it when fans get on anyone's back, but I mean he did have a shocker against Man U, and that's it's never a good start. I look, I, I think you know we, we lost David Luiz, and <laughs> we we learned on the was it Sunday that that's not always the best, the worst thing anyway. Uh, I, I, look, I, I'd, I'd like to see Rudiger back in there, you know, because it's a slightly older head with Christensen or Zuma. And I, I think that might make things better. I think there's a lot of pressure on two young kids at the moment with Christensen and Zuma. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure being, you know, having a very young Chelsea, you know, defence. Andy, w- would you say that probably it's going to be Christensen that partners Rudiger? I, I would say so. Um I started off being very critical of Zuma, as, as you know. I talked about it on the on the podcast last week about how I thought he had a terrible game against Manchester United, but actually played very well in the next game. Thought he was okay against Norwich, did okay, looked a little bit immobile at times. That's my problem with him is his lack of mobility. Um, I think that Christensen probably offers that a little bit more, and I think him and Rudiger is the is the obvious pairing for me. Yeah, Christensen also looks as though he's got his confidence back. You know, he's had a difficult uh, handful of games over the last couple of seasons, ever since that Barcelona game, and he's never quite been right. But he's starting to look confident again, and hopefully with Rudiger alongside him, that will change. But anyway, look, before we go any further, we have to take a small commercial break. And we're back. So, uh, Andy, um, how surprised were you that when Pedro was injured in the warm-up, it, it was Ross Barkley who came into the side? Not, not overly surprised. He's probably been... Um, uh, Paul's probably too strong a word, but a very indifferent first half. Didn't really affect the game. Didn't really get involved didn't look particularly good. I thought he really upped his game in the second half and and started to you know to play to the level that we know he does. Ross Barkley is one of those players that I've yet to be a hundred percent convinced by. And people turn around and say, well, look, you know, he's a developing player, but he's twenty six now. He's not a kid anymore. You know, he should be reaching the peak of his playing uh, abilities, but it doesn't feel like he is. It doesn't feel like he's a player that you could hundred percent rely on. That's my issue with it. I actually think he this could be his year, but um, I, I think he's got far less game time at this beginning part of the season than I thought he would get. But I think that's also because of the way we've had Kante out. So it's been Kovacic and Jorginho in there and there's not really been room for him. So we'll and, see. And, and probably you'd find that Mason Mack might have stolen his thunder because Barkley was looking really good in pre-season. He looked like you know he was going to be a Lampard man. And I think just Mason Mount has been next level. I mean, the way he, you know, searched and found the goal on on Saturday, the way he just strode through was was just so impressive. And it was like seeing a Frank back on the pitch. 
Um, whether that's not uh, Ross's confidence a bit, I don't know. But I, I, there's still a good player in there, and I, you know, and I think we will. You know, it's a long season over many cups, and I think we will see the best of him. So, thing about sorry, Kerry. The thing, yeah. the thing about um, Ross Barkley is that you know the preseason form I think is a bit of a misnomer because those preseason games weren't against anybody particularly brilliant, and preseason against Mickey Mouse teams is one thing. Actually, stepping up in the Premier League and delivering is a completely different thing. So, for me, as I say, I'd like Ross Barkley to you know to really grab games by the scruff of the neck and and, and influence them. And for me, I never feel a hundred percent confident when he's on the pitch that he's going to do something that's going to raise the level of the team i think when kante comes back you'll see more of ross barkley and and i think he'll be be doing a lot more for the team but you know we'll see how that goes so you weren't surprised that willian didn't start i guess he's probably not fit i mean what's your views on willian he's looked a little bit lackluster when we've seen him for a few minutes so far Seb what have you thought of him literally the word I was going to use was lackluster it was exactly the same word I mean he has been out for a while you know it might take him but you'd like to have thought you know there was that one season where Hazard didn't have a good season um whether that was down to burnout or whether not getting on with the manager obviously there's lots of theories but that one season, William really stepped up. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, you know, he was he was just you know next level, William. And I, I kind of really want to see that again. I really want to see that next level, William, that we know is in there. Um, and we, we I, you know, it's so early, three games. We haven't seen it yet, and it might just be the injury and coming back and you know getting into full stride. But there is a, a you know a world class player in there, and we've we've seen it. So you know, I want to see more of it. Andy, what do you think about Willian? Do, do you think, in a strange way, even though we thought that maybe he'd be the player who benefited from Hazard leaving, he may actually be the one who's sort of not quite fitting? Pedro has a harder word, work ethic, perhaps, and then you've got the youngsters coming through. How do you view it? I don't think Pedro's necessarily got a harder work ethic. I don't think you can ever fault Willian. Uh, for his engine and his ability to to move around and get involved, he tracks, he covers uh, grass. He's you know he's a he's a he's a you know a full on player when he's on the pitch. I think the tournament in the summer has probably taken it out of him a little bit, and he needs a little bit of time to to get back up to match fitness. He's a he's a great player. I know he comes in with some criticism of certain sections of the Chelsea fan base, but for me, I think he's a, been a brilliant servant to the club, and I think he's got an awful lot to offer. And I think that. You know the 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 difference between him and Pedro is minimal. I think they're 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 interchangeable. So at some point, William will come through um, and and show us you know what he's done for many years for us. Can so I just you... can I just sorry just one thing, Seb. Uh, can I just um, say you, the one thing you've always said about him is he's got no end product, Andy, which I think perhaps Pedro maybe has more of. Uh... Well, it's sort of half tongue in cheek about that. I mean, yes, you know, he frustrates me that sometimes when he gets into good, intelligent positions, he doesn't make the most of it. I think that he's a frustrating player on that level. Pedro is as well, though. You know, Pedro uh, scores some great goals, but but also takes the wrong option sometimes. They're not they're not you know thirty goal a season players, but I think that that William's shown time and time again that he can score goals from anywhere that he's a big game player that when we really really need him he'll step up and do it um, and it's the same with Pedro so I say it's probably a Rizzler paper between the two in terms of you know who is going to start and who's going to rise to the occasion Seb you were you were going to uh, come no, in with something I, I just thought that Pedro 
I think maybe William can be slightly more creative and, and Pedro's kind of got more with, he, he's more of a speed merchant when he comes down that wing. And I, you know, I think the two of, you know, what Andy said that, you know, they're fairly interchangeable and when you need, you know, more of one than the other, I think they'll be on. And I think that will probably be the same with the younger guys between Pulisic, you know, Hudson Odoi when he's fit. And, you know, I, I think there will be a lot of, you know, interchanging. I think that's interesting. You, you mentioned Pulisic there. He's the one player who had quite a quiet game against Norwich, um, which is okay. He's finding his feet and, and what have you. Um, how do we view him, what we've seen so far? Because some of the glimpses of him have been wonderful and others you really feel as though he's just trying to pick up the pace, hey, Andy? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. He's clearly a very talented player. I think he's a player that needs some time to adapt to the Premier League, um, to understand the physical nature of the Premier League and to make sure that he maximises his own strengths uh, in a way that suits the game that he's playing. I think we we have yet to see only a glimpse of what, what he's capable of and I'm hopeful of good things in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And I, I suppose, right, look, we, we should come to, I guess, our two top stars of the day. Now we can take them in whichever order you like, but why don't we go with Mason Mount first? Is it or is it not incredibly impressive the way he's taken to being in that Chelsea side like a duck to water? And isn't it incredible that we've got these group of players who've been playing together since they were six or eight years of age at Chelsea, all potentially coming through together. Mason Mount, over to you, Seb. I, th- I think, you know, I think Mason just looks like he's been working with Frank Lampard for a whole season, which he has. I think he knows what the manager wants. He listens to the manager and he knows that, I think if he does, that he's going to go far. And I, I think, I listen, I, you know, I, I, you, I've always read and you, you see clips, you know, on Chelsea TV, but he really is something special. You know, I would say even more so than some of our other bright young prospects that we've been currently heralding for time. But, you know, I think once we get Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek and Mason Mount and Tammy all playing together, I mean, it could be awesome. And these guys could be, you know, virtually kind of telepathic. I mean, they have been playing with each other since tiny kids. Uh, I think it's such an exciting group of players. And unfortunately, if it wasn't for the transfer ban where you could have just added a a senior head in there here and there. I just think it, you know, it really is a, a the, the heartbeat of a team for the for whole future. Andy, how do you view it? I mean, it, it, it we used to watch people like Graham Lasso when they, they came on and made their debuts and we we're going, Oh my God, there's a youngster from the, the, the youth team that's coming through. And now we're faced with possibly four playing in the same side and five, if you include Christensen, how, how does it feel for you? I know we don't need to get carried away, but there is something exceptional about Mason Mount already and Tammy to an extent. Well, Chelsea had two English players aged 21 or under score in the same Premier League match for the first time since the 22nd of August 1992 when Eddie Newton and Graham Stewart scored against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. So it's incredibly exciting. Listen, it's early days. I don't want to build Mason Mount up to be the second coming. He's a young player that started the the season in really good form. He looks like he's got all the attributes to become an important player for Chelsea and for the Premier League. Uh, I will watch him with interest over the season and how Lampard deals with him and works with him and handles him this season, Uh, as I will with all of our younger players. It's a steep learning curve, the Premier League. As I say, it's early days, but it's set up brilliantly for him to go on uh, and, as Seb says, you know, cement his place in that Chelsea midfield for years to come. 
I loved it. I don't know if you saw Sky after uh, after the game. Um, and actually, it was after the Leicester game. And I think it was Ashley Cole was on. And they were going on about how good Madison was for, for Leicester. And um, they said to Ashley Cole, who's better? And he went, well, Mason Mount, obviously. And they said, why is that? He said, because he's my mate. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was kind of great. But, I mean, there is something going on that, that's wonderful. And, and Tammy's strikes, I mean, they were sublime. That, that half-volley finish for the first goal, it was something else. And that second goal where he took on defenders, suddenly you saw why there's excitement, didn't you, Seb? His first goal from outside the box as well. Which is, yeah. uh, it, which is, it's great. I mean, you know, I, I watched it and then I watched it again on on, uh, on Match of the Day. And Ian Wright was very glowing about Tammy. Just, you know, and there's been a lot of people, because I've read all the press this week, and a lot of people eating their words. They thought he didn't have the hold-up play. He seems to be getting into his game a bit. And I think, you know, work, you know three games into the Premiership, working with someone like Giroud, who's very good at that hold-up play, I think we're doing the world of good. And I, I think there's... You know, like Andy says, we don't want to build them up too much. But, but I, you know, genuinely, there's exciting, you know, there's exciting attributes in all these guys. Look, I'm eating my words a little bit. I've, I've said quite publicly that I've doubts whether Tammy Abraham's an elite striker. Uh, you know, but he's got 28 league goals, including in the playoffs since the start of last season, the most of any English player in the top two tiers of English football. Um, you know, he looks like he has, again, like Mason Mounts, all the attributes to become an important player. But we're very, very early. These players need to do it week after week after week, year after year after year, to really become important players for Chelsea and the Premier League. Uh, so I'm just injecting a slight note of reality and a slight, a slight note of caution. Don't think for a minute that I'm not excited. I'm incredibly excited. It was brilliant to see him score two goals uh, on Saturday. And I hope he goes score another twenty. Um, I'm just, I'm just a little bit cautious of, you know, of us getting overexcited and hysterical at this stage of the season. Can I just I'm, say, I'm, yeah. I'm quite happy to get overexcited and hysterical. <laughs> I really am. I think I've been so kind of, I haven't felt an affinity to the Chelsea team, you know, since the people kind of of like the Drogbers and the Terrys have gone, and I, I kind of feel it again with these guys, and I think that's probably where the excitement comes from and I think I think a lot of Chelsea fans have felt that for a while you know we bought players and it's kind of it felt a little bit like you know buying mercenaries for a war but these guys feel like they're you know blue-blooded and I think that's where the overexcitement comes from but we've just got to be careful not to heap too much pressure on them yeah that's all that's all I'm saying I'm I'm not saying don't get excited I mean I'm incredibly excited about it and I think that's a very good point I, I definitely feel an affinity with the team I didn't in the Man United game I didn't feel an affinity with the team. It didn't feel like a Chelsea team, but I think that was just me getting used to, you know, the new lineup and 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 the new way we were playing. But now I definitely feel like this is a team I can really, you know, throw my weight behind and 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 love and adore. And that's a brilliant thing after the toxicity of last season. So I, so I'm not not excited. I'm just managing my expectations because I've been let down many times before. Whereas me, I'm just happy to just wave my knickers in the air and scream. <laughs> yeah, and for me also, I think the thing about Tammy is that we have the, the capability of taking him out of the firing line and letting Giroud go in there. I think we'll see a lot of shared duties and the midfield will be the same as well. If Mason Mount suddenly starts looking leggy, 
there are people to come in. It's where I think Chelsea failed Christensen, you know, a year and a half ago where Conte ran him into the ground and it's taken him a long time to recover. These these young players need nurture. Anyway. Do you, so just do you want a little quiz on Tammy Abraham? <laughs> so he... At 21 years and 326 years or, uh, days old, uh, Abraham is the third youngest player to score a brace in the Premier League for Chelsea after which two players? This is the Ed- Premier Premier League. Eddie Newton and... Oh, You've read this already, aren't you? I haven't. No, because I remember... I'll never forget Eddie. Uh, they're against... I can't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, Eddie never Newton, forget it. <laughs> Eddie Newton and Graham Stewart. No. Oh. Eddie Newton's a good shout, though. Yeah. Uh, against Tottenham in December 1992. Oh, God. Ah, ah, I know. Was it, um, oh, God, what was his name? He threatened to come through and didn't. Um, uh, Mark Nichols. It was Mark Nichols. Well done. Hey. You know what? I actually read that during the week and I've forgotten again. I think that, but that's just age. Yeah, there you go. I may have read it, but I wouldn't remember either. So, <laughs> so Mark so, Nichols, uh, Mark Nichols in January nineteen ninety eight against Coventry, twenty years, two hundred and twenty five days, and Eddie Newton in December nineteen ninety two against Tottenham, uh, and Tammy became the third youngest player to score a brace in the Premier League for Chelsea. So good on you, Tammy. We want another thirty more, please. Okay, la- last little thing about the the Norwich game. Um, what do we think of VAR? I quite like the idea of VAR but it's a mess the way it's handled and the interpretations. And if you listen to Peter, what's his name? Peter Tossface on BT Sport. Peter, was it Peter Walton or whatever? Um, and he should go out and join the Waltons, but because they just back up. Oh no. Well, the referee got that completely right. It's nonsense. A lot of the decisions being made, isn't it? Seb, what do you think? Well, the, fu- the funny thing is on Saturday, I watched our game in a little <laughs> green room in Twickenham with Lawrence Delalio. Uh, I was, and then I watched the England game. I was at the rugby and uh, you know what? Uh, I, that's where you see VAR, VAR work properly. And what happens is there's a, you know, there's a thing that you, whether the ball's crossed the line or who was touching it when he did. And on the big screens, they kind of go back and forward and they show all the angles it actually becomes part of the excitement and all the crowd every time. And they were finally they got to an angle that proved conclusively that England had scored yet another try and the whole stadium erupted. And I just looked around and I just thought, surely that's how VAR works. And it's not just some voice from above saying, no, you're, you've all gone crazy. And I just, I, I was, and I just thought, I, I don't understand. I, look, I get it, it's a different game and there are different aspects to it. But that surely is how you involve the fans and it all becomes something and we all understand what's going on. It's just done so well at Twickenham. And, and, also, I, well, and it's also, just not done well in, in the Premier League yet. I'm, I, I still think it's the way we will go and the way we probably need to go. Yeah, look, I, I think as well you can look at cricket. I mean, we have one of the most exciting uh, games of cricket uh, this country's ever seen uh, on Sunday, uh, England against Australia in the Ashes. And DRS played, uh, the, the decision review system played a huge part in that particular match, uh, both for and against. And again, that was shown on the screen. Um, and very part. I think the problem with both rugby and cricket is they don't have that level of immediacy that football has, that celebratory when a goal is scored. I think that's the problem is people don't feel they can properly celebrate if VAR is going to come in and, and sort of deflate the emotion from the situation. 
it's it's too immediate for that. And I think that's that's where VAR has a problem. I mean, there were four decisions against Norwich, and Norwich's opener shouldn't have stood. Aspilicueta should have had a penalty. Giroud's um, Azuma's goal that uh, Giroud uh, knocked down from the goalkeeper should have stood, and the Norwich centre back should have gone for a stamp. So you know, that's four decisions that you could argue that VAR looked at and got wrong. Some of them, it was because they were too far before the goal to be getting them back or something. I did, you know, I, but I think it, it's getting the rules right around VAR more than getting the VAR. But I, I know what you mean about the immediacy, but I think it, it was kind of quite exciting in the stadium with 80,000 people looking at these screens, seeing what they're seeing. And when you finally got that angle and they're kind of going back and over it, back, you know, like, you know, rewind for it. And you saw it and you saw the finger on the ball, the whole place erupted. And it, kind I, of, it, it, it was good. At, I, I don't actually. think that you can equate or conflate the celebration of a try with the celebration of a goal. I just don't think that rugby fans have that level of feverish passion that football fans do because of the 90 minute, you know, sort of intense nature of a football match and the fact that goals are so rare, whereas tries aren't necessarily. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of reasons behind it. I I just don't think it's necessarily um, something that can be used to uh, to make a case for VAR personally. I, I understand where you're coming from. That's why I think personally. I think I think really the the problem is that I think the problem is they don't show any replay on the screen. Now, whether that's because they're worried about the fans kicking off and getting all head up or whatever, but I think that is the only way forward, is to let everyone see what's going on, see the decision being made and explained. There's also another thing where I think, you know, the the PAs are rubbish in football grounds. I mean, the one at Chelsea, when when they had Claude Makélélé come on um, at halftime at the Norwich game, uh, at the Leicester game, you couldn't understand a word he said because it's so awful. So that needs to be sorted out. Anyway, we should we should move on to the last bit. We've got Sheffield United at home. Uh, how's that looking for us? Do you think uh, we'll go with Andy first? Uh you know, really, on paper, it shouldn't be a problem, should it? They're not that good. They're a promoted side. I'm not convinced that they will pose a threat to us. Hopefully, we've got some momentum uh, from the Norwich game going into that game. We've got a little bit about us. We've got players that are in form, playing well. Lampard's system seems to be gelling. If we can't beat teams like Sheffield United at Stamford Bridge, then that's a concern. So, I think, personally, it should be a fairly comfortable victory. I'm going through 3-0. Excellent. Seb, what, what do you think of it? I, I think for all of those reasons, I, I, I completely agree with Andy, but I think we've, we've got at least one slip up defensively, at least. Uh, I'll go 3-1, actually. OK, and do either of you see Abraham or Giroud starting? You've got to start Sammy Abraham in that game. And Seb? Yeah, I think I, I think listen. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, you reward that confidence, and and if he's struggling, you bring Giroud on, you bring the old head on, who can who can battle, a, you know, a game that's not going where the way we want it to. I think Giroud will be, you know, he he's a he's a fighter, so I think that's where that will come. Fair enough. And well, my prediction is, yeah, I agree with both of you. Actually, I think we should win it comfortably. I'm gonna go for. 4-1, because I, I kind of feel like you said, unless Rudiger starts, if Rudiger starts and he's back and he's fit, it'll be 4-0. Uh, 
I thought your your prediction was going to have at least a five on it because I love your uh, your optimism optimism on these things. Oh, you're right. Damn it, it's five <laughs> nil. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, we we've run out of time. Um, fantastic to to have you on board again, Seb. Thank Lovely you. to see you, um, Andy. As always, a pleasure. Um, we shall be back next week when hopefully we'll have a a further three points and be climbing up the table. We'll see you all next week. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.